read the Middle English. Read it exactly how it would have been read. This is a job for me, I can tell. Okay. <laughs> then the best of Berg bowed together. Amen and Eric and other full money, Sir Dodenlaw. Jeez, the seven. The duck of the Clarence, Launcelot, and Lionel, and the goat. Sir Boomers and Sir. Wilkuma. All drink, eat, be merry, smooch each other. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm glad about? you're here at Fire the Cannon, a podcast. It's the podcast where we, your hosts, read the books in the Western canon, and also the producer helps us decide if they belong or not, but he does not read them, correct? <laughs> that is correct. Okay. <laughs> he didn't read them this time, and Rachel wants to make sure we know that. Because I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not annoyed. I knew this was going to happen. She's just kidding. She's really annoyed. Yeah, I'm extremely annoyed. <laughs> Unbelievably so. So my name is normally Rachel, but this week, since we'll be talking about the chivalric romance Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, you can call me the Numbles. Hello, Numbles. No, the Numbles. (laughs) Hello, the Numbles. And who might you be? young fellow. Well, my dear the Numbles, <laughs> my name usually would be Jackie, but today it is Felix Brutus. The perfect name for you. I have no idea what it means. And normally, people would call me Theo, the producer, but today I say, nay, call me Gringolet, <laughs> the horse slash producer. That's a great joke because Gringolet is the name of Sir Gawain's horse, which is one of the only things Theo knows about this poem. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and just give us a little bit of an introduction to this poem. I think if you've listened to our Beowulf episodes, you're going to find a little bit of overlap between this and Beowulf because they are kind of similar. In fact, Beowulf is mentioned in the very first paragraph of the introduction to this. You're talking about like, it's not in the, the story proper. It's like- Correct translator or editor or something. No, it doesn't start off, well, Beowulf. So you know about warriors because of Beowulf and everything, so I don't yeah. need to fill you in on that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else has happened, literally speaking, in England yeah. between then and now, so you're all caught up. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Beowulf, this is um, an epic narrative poem. This also um, was written by an unknown author, so they say next to nothing is known about him. And by they, I should say we're reading the Simon Armitage edition translation of this poem because, of course, this was written in Middle English, probably around the year 1400. Gosh, that's so <laughs> <Yeah>. old. <laughs> what did you say? It was 14 what? 1400. 1400. Yeah. So you heard Theo give his best uh, attempt at the Middle English for one of the the lines that we'll be reading. It needed to be translated because, of course, that's uh, not understandable to most people. So for about 200 years after that, nobody knew anything about it. There was only one existing copy, and it would fit in the palm of a hand. I don't know about my hand because my hand's a little teeny, but a normal person's hand, sure, no problem. They call him the Gawain poet because no one knows his name. Or the Pearl poet. You'll hear some people pronounce it Gawain, some people pronounce it Gawain. I'm saying Gawain because when I read the poem there are certain lines with Gawain at the end and they rhyme with words that rhyme with Gawain. And I'll say Gawain and then the lines where we need the alliteration of the G will be covered. So Simon Armitage, um, I actually liked what he wrote, just his explanation of how he translated this and the difficulties of it because you can't just translate the words by themselves. It's not poetry then anymore. And apparently in Middle English, this was very important to have alliteration. It was very important to have um, internal rhymes. So within the line instead of at the end. But every once in a while, there's a section that ends with a synquane, five lines. The bob and wheel, is that what you're talking about? The bob and wheel, yeah. I think it's 
A, B, A, B, A pattern. I really like that they do that because it's not just like an endless narrative poem. It's broken up with these little bits of much more kind of sing-songy little sing So Yeah, it's really cool. You're saying those come at the end of a verse or something? Like what? a stanza, basically. Yeah. It's written in these chunks and every chunk ends with a little rhyming section. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Yeah, that's something that if you had read it, you would know it and you would be like, interesting and significant. Mm. <laughs> to me, it felt very propulsive with all of the alliteration. It, it just did. kind of like pulls you through the poem. So I just kind of zip right through. And oh my gosh. Like a whirlwind romance. <laughs> exactly. So I was driving home to see my parents for this memorial thing this weekend. And so I was driving with Stephen and I read the first fit out loud to him. And reading it out loud is really, really fun, actually. I can see All that. the alliteration, it's great. The little rhymes are funny. And then he mm-hmm. would periodically ask me, like, oh, what was the Middle English for that? And then I would read him that and he would see if he could guess. So it was really fun. Interesting. Yeah, the bob and wheel that we mentioned. So the sinquain at the end, I was right, it is A-B-A-B-A. And then uh, it's the first line is called the bob because there's only one stressed syllable. And then the other four lines have three stressed syllables and those are called the wheel. So you got bob and wheel, bob and wheel, bob and wheel. Mm -hmm. The bob and wheel. So that's the structure of the poem. And um, Armitage tried his best to maintain alliteration and internal rhymes and all of that. Um, while also giving a faithful reproduction of the meaning, which was, I'm sure, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Thanks, Armin. Armin? Thanks, Armin. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Him Armin? <laughs> Armin Hammer. Thanks, Armin Hammer. Oh a combination of Simon no and Armitage. <laughs> Armin. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you just said Armin, and it reminded me of this experience going to the Armin Bayou Nature Center in Houston. Do you want to hear about it or not? Yeah. Oh, yes. Please. Nature is very important in this poem. So it was during COVID. I was just like trying to figure out something to do. So I went there with a friend and when we got there, we had to pay $6 to get in, which I thought like, that's maybe kind of a lot for like just nature. Yeah. And then (laughs) just nature yeah, (laughs) for something that should be free and that I should be allowed to destroy if I want. This is perfect. This goes right with the theme, honestly, of the poem, (laughs) man versus nature. (laughs) We, We went in there and we started seeing like, you know, like orb weaver spiders. Yeah. They're stripey. We saw a few of them and we're like, oh, uh, Okay. Cool. I don't know how to tell the story. Well, basically, there were just thousands of spiders. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. At first, I was like, that's actually kind of, I really like that spider. I like that I'm seeing three of them just right there at once. But then eventually, it got to the point where you couldn't walk down the trail because there were spider webs everywhere. And we we're having to like duck down and like swing sticks to like try to get the spider webs out of the way because we weren't going fast enough. Then all the mosquitoes are really terrible. You'd think thousands of spiders would keep some mosquitoes away. Yeah, what? I know. It's probably because of people like you beating down their webs. <laughs> like, why do you think we put those there? Now you have the gall to complain about mosquitoes. <laughs> we were there for like 20 minutes and we just had to give up and turn around because it was just, th- this was spider town now. We weren't allowed to be there. <laughs> Did you try to get your money back? <laughs> no, we're, I, I mean, I guess like it's, I don't know. We paid for nature and we saw nature, I guess. But yeah, like, if you, if oh, you, you can't sure handle did. it, that's on you. <laughs> do you think that park ranger should have said? It's, it's spider town now. Yeah, this is Spider Town. So, by the way, I love also that this was just your like last ditch attempt to do anything with your life during COVID. It was horrible. It, it was nightmarish. Right, you paid for that experience. <laughs> no, is that the worst experience you've paid for, or would you say you're like 
degree was that. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I bet there are worse <laughs> things. Should I, and I'll, okay, I'll spend the rest of the episode trying to remember what uh, the worst thing I've spent money on is. And so then I cannot listen to what you're talking about. Wouldn't it have been like, I don't know, removing your wisdom teeth no, that's, or something? You, you need that to happen. It had to happen. And then you get drugs. But it's not fun. It was okay for me. I felt no pain at all. Theo, you should tell your wisdom teeth story, and then I'll tell my wisdom teeth story. And then I'll tell mine. (laughs) Okay, Theo, tell your story. Well, they put me under, but apparently, first of all- They took a big board, and they just whacked him in the head. Yeah, right. It was like, the nurse was distracting me, and the doctor was like, putting his finger up to his mouth. Creeping up behind you. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Medicare version. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're not in network. (laughs) Meet this deductible. Uh, no, they, they gave me the drugs. But apparently because I don't drink or smoke or drink any coffee or anything, they said that my body was naive. So when they gave me the drugs, I would apparently just stop breathing a lot. And then they would ha- they would like tap my shoulder and be like, Theo, you got to breathe. And then I would start breathing again. <laughs> it's kind of scary, but also Are you like, saying I'm- that's not as bad as the spiders? That's got to be, that's a terrible experience. I had no idea it was happening. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty scary to think about that. I do think it's funny that it's just like, hey, uh, Theo, you know you should be breathing right now, right? It's funny oh. to be like, I've got a naive body. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, of course, when I woke up, I was totally out of it. You know, everybody is. And then I remember them saying something about a bill and I like was trying to get my wallet out of my pocket. <laughs> that would have been such a good racket if they were like, yeah, that'll be all the money in your wallet, please. I will give you that with pleasure. So anyway, Virginia had driven me there. And so she was driving me back and I had my teeth that they had given me. And I was apparently just fascinated by them. Just looking at them and feeling them under the plastic. There was one that I guess looked a little like a chicken bone. So I said, wow, that one looks like a chicken bone. We should slap some meat on that sucker and put it on the grill. It's just such a funny thing to think like reconstructing a chicken wing. Like something. this is such a good base. Yeah. All we need is some meat yeah. and then we can have the meat. That's so funny. And then apparently when I got back to our apartment, I sat down on the couch and then immediately said, wait, wait, wait. Did we get the teeth from the doctor? <laughs> I've probably been looking at them the entire ride home. She's like, no. Oh, we just got the bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My wisdom teeth story is that so my sister got them out first, and apparently some people have a reaction to anesthesia where they just cry uncontrollably, and that's what she had. So she's had, I think, anesthesia twice, and this has happened to her both times. Wow. So when I got mine out, I was like, I dread that. Like that is not what I want to have happen. So I was like thinking, okay, all right, well. I'm just going to, you know, try really hard not to sob uncontrollably, I guess. (laughs) So apparently what they did was they put me under and did the surgery and I woke up and I don't remember this at all. I have zero memories of the immediate period afterwards. And I was like going around the office telling everybody, Madeline cried. I'm not crying. Hey, did you know my sister cried? But I'm fine. I'm fine. And I would say things like, I guess like this just speaks to something in me where I have to like convince other people I'm fine when I'm obviously not. And I was just like, I can think, but I can't talk. But I'm I'm thinking. I can think. I just can't talk. And I was like, I'm clearly talking. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> but I was so defensive. I got home and my dad set me up on the couch and just like turned on Discovery Channel or something. And I watched a documentary about Komodo dragons. Mm. And it ended. 
and it started again. Like it just immediately the same thing just came on on the channel, and I watched the whole thing again because I was like, "Whoa, a documentary about Komodo dragons! This is cool." <laughs> Channels do that. And I just watched the entire thing again. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Can I just say that your story is very similar to my friend Philip's story because his brother Michael got his wisdom teeth out first, and then Philip got his out afterwards. And then apparently on the ride home, Philip just kept saying, "Did I do better than Michael? Did I do better than Michael?" <laughs> There's just that like very deeply ingrained sibling rivalry. It's <laughs> really funny. When when you see them interact, you wouldn't think there's any of that. Like they're like the most friendly, happy, like generous brothers to each other. And then, yeah, but deep down, yeah. Philip really wants to best him. Simmering jealousy. <laughs> did I do better than Michael? It's like yeah, you both went unconscious and had other people take your teeth out. You did great. But who did better? <laughs> I have two things for mine. Ready? Go ahead. The mm -hmm. first one is, the only thing that I know is that afterwards, so I just got my teeth out. It was totally fine. I didn't get to keep them, unfortunately, which I really did want to, but I don't think I got them. Wow. Afterwards, on the ride back, I was just singing the song, There is a Light That Never Goes Out by the Smiths. And my sister said that I wrote a whole other verse and just like Whoa. seamlessly sang it, but she wasn't familiar <laughs> with the song. So she just thought it was like a verse of the song. So I just made up another verse and was like singing it the whole way. Wait, how did she know you made up a new verse if she didn't know what the verses were? She heard it later. Oh, okay. Like I played it for her or something. <laughs> so that's the one thing. The other thing is that my dad has this deathly fear of opioids, yeah. <laughs> which apparently for good reason, but yeah, he's really scared of... Of us taking opioids basically so the doctor prescribed me not a ton but the normal amount and was like okay take one tonight and then do like take another tomorrow and then like take two tomorrow take two the next day one the day after that and one more and then stop basically whatever it was tapering, yeah sure. tapering off so my dad when I got home I was like pretty out of it I'm like should I take one whatever and he's like oh no just take a couple ibuprofen and we'll see how you feel as he pockets the opioid <laughs> and then the next day I'm like so should I take these and he's like no 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 just you you've been okay just take another ibuprofen do you know the black market value of these <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. How do you mean his money? No, definitely not like that. Yeah. yeah. So he just would not let me take them basically. And I didn't know it was a big deal, but my mom found out later and she's like, Henry, do you know how painful that would have been for her? Like you are so lucky that, but for some reason I didn't feel any pain at all. Yeah. I found it incredibly painful. It was totally fine. So I just took like five ibuprofen and I, it didn't hurt me at all, wow. which is lucky <laughs> because my dad wouldn't let me take my prescribed medication. Oh gosh. Damn. Let's hear what kind of time Gawain has. <laughs> so the the poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is divided up into four fits. It's called four fits. F I T. -T. It's just just sections basically. Today we're going to be talking about fits one and two. Yeah. So the first fit begins with describing. Wait. Let's see if Theo can guess where what it begins with. What historical he's, event? There's no way he's going to. What guess. historical event do you think this poem starts with? It's a story about King Arthur. The crowning of King Arthur. Jackie? <laughs> the birthday of King Arthur. <laughs> Jackie, tell him. No, it be it begins with the, the siege of Troy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I want every story to start like this. So basically, it starts just very briefly. It very briefly mentions Troy. It says... Like, so Troy's burning. <laughs> so Troy was destroyed. And then after that... 
Britain came. <laughs> yeah. Just to get you up to speed. <laughs> Here's something irrelevant now, Britain. <laughs> yeah. If in case you were yeah. wondering. A very, very, very brief history of time. Troy, then Romulus creates Rome. Ooh. Then right. they go to Britain. And then eventually King Arthur happens. Bam, here we go. Yeah, here we go. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to just jump into the middle of it. We are not in media's rest. We are starting at the beginning. But it lasts like one second. <laughs> and then he's like, all right. We're as far out of rest as possible. <laughs> so this is a told with by a first person narrator. And he's saying, all right, so here's what I'm going to tell you about. There was this guy named Arthur who I've heard is honored above all. I haven't met him myself, but he was really great. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the story as it was told to me in my little town where I grew up. What was going on was it was Christmas time at Camelot, King Arthur's court. I don't think Theo would want to be there. What do you think, Jackie? Because they're dancing. Oh, because, well, there's people there, Theo. <laughs> oh my God. They're together and they're speaking. Everyone's like teasing each other, giving each Ooh. other presents yeah. and jesting. Well, this is just like they. So it starts out and it's like there was once a great hall and everybody was just partying all the time. It was Christmas time. It really, there are so many Beowulf parallels. Really a lot. Um, So it was tournaments of joust. They were lunging at each other with lances and feasting. So I just picture everybody's just jumping around, stabbing each other, going, ha, 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 stab, stab, stab. Everyone's (laughs) drunk and holding a weapon. (laughs) Yeah. If you had put these people under with anesthesia, their bodies would have breathed so well because they are not naive. Yeah. No problem. (laughs) Um, So together at this table were uh, the most chivalrous and courteous knights, the most wonderful women, and the handsomest king, King Arthur, of course. Everyone's hot. That's something the story keeps telling you. Mm. Everyone's They're hot. just all a bunch of hotties. Wow. Yeah. Everybody was so hot, so clean, had perfect teeth. I'm sure it was exactly like that. Uh, Queen Guinevere is there. She doesn't say anything, but she's real pretty. People say things to her. <laughs> People say things to her. She is spoken to. That's correct. Presumably she's involved in the yelling of Noel. So then it's mealtime and they're setting the table with all of these wonderful dishes. But King Arthur, being a good king, is not going to eat until everyone is served. Yeah. And he's just so happy and he's watching everyone enjoy their day. But he's thinking like, I don't want to just sit here. I need something to happen. He wants a little drama. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hmm. I'm also a messy bitch who loves drama. So come on. <laughs> he's thinking, Ugh, I don't know how long I can sit here without drama. He said, I'm not going to eat till everyone is served, but I'm also not going to eat until a story is told. Mm. Um, and so one of the lines says, and still he stands there just being himself. <laughs> Just being himself. Chatting away charmingly, (laughs) exchanging views. Yes. Gosh, I wonder if the narrator ever says that about me with my life. What what narrator are you talking about? The narrator. Oh, I assume there's a narrator describing everything that's happening. I don't, the the question is not, does he ever say that? The question is, does he ever not say that? (laughs) Are you ever not? Don't you always just stand there being yourself? I sit sometimes, I guess. Like, what if it says, and still he stands there just being Seth? (laughs) Theo would love that. Yeah, it'd be great to be Seth. So here we get uh, Sir Gawain comes in. He's seated by Guinevere, and he's also super hot. He's a great knight. Um, he's also the king's nephew, which is super exactly just the like the king's Beowulf. young, hot, unproven nephew. Yeah, why is it always the king's nephew? I imagine it's something like if he's the hero, he needs to have some noble blood, but we want him to have to prove himself, so he can't be that close. Yeah, here's an example of one of the little uh, rhyming synquains. So. At feasts and festivals when the fellowship would meet, with features proud and fine, he stood there tall and straight, a king at Christmas time, amid great merriment. Damn. That was kind of slant rhyming. So they're not always perfect rhymes because it's also a translation. 
Yeah. That's the only time that the final word of the line rhymes is when you get those little cadential sort of. Sometimes there are final word rhymes, mm. but it's pretty rare. God, I love that. Yeah. Do you want to hear the Middle English version? Um, no, no, no. I want to find a better example of like the rhyming. Or to set the soups in the silver bowls on the cloth, each guest received his share of bread or meat or broth. A dozen plates per pair. Plus bean, plus beans, <laughs> plus beer or wine or both or both. <laughs> All of these are not good rhymes. <laughs> you just said I'm gonna find a better one, and then you read that one to me. Do you want to hear the Middle English of it or not? <laughs> Fine, let's hear the Middle English. Okay. <laughs> okay, wait. I got a better one. I got a better one. In fact, in all features, he was finely formed. It seemed amazement seized their minds. No soul had ever seen a knight of such a kind, entirely emerald green. Ooh. Okay, you ready? Yeah. And all his features. Features full one in form that he had full clean, for wonder of his huimen had set in his semblant scene, he furred as freak or fade, and overall anchor green. Nice. <laughs> he furred as freak or fade. We want a freak to the fade. <laughs> Lady in the street and a freak wore the fade. <laughs> yeah. So here's a funny thing to me. So again, it goes on and on about how the king's not going to eat until something happens. But so everybody's been served and finally King Arthur can sit down and start to, to eat. All of a sudden, a big sound happens and the horns start blowing and the door of the of the hall swings open and it's darkened by a huge oh form. God. It's Grindel. Who is it? It's a mountain of a man, immeasurably high, a hulk of a human from head to hips. I thought you were going to say immeasurably high. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Who is it? Santa Claus. Oh. No. <laughs> Although it is a little bit like the ghost of Christmas present. The opposite on the color wheel from Santa Claus. So the narrator, who wasn't there, says, I should genuinely judge him to be a half giant, but handsome too. <laughs> Very handsome. Slim, muscular. He's got a slender little stomach and waist, and he's got finely formed features. And guess what? He's, as I just said, entirely emerald green. Gosh. Here's Wait, here's what's funny. Remember when Theo asked us if we would want to change out our wardrobes for something rich and gorgeous, That was, but it all had to be green? And we both immediately said, of course. And we both said yes. This yeah. guy did that, and he is looking <laughs> so fine. Not only did he do that, but he also switched out his skin and his yeah, hair. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's looking good, according he's to the narrative. He's truly all green. All green. And, he's all green. Yeah, keep telling him, Jackie. They're not just wearing glasses with green. Green lenses? No. That's the <laughs> oh, thing. I forgot to mention all the people in the hall are wearing green glasses. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little Wizard of Oz called Max. So. Yeah. yeah. So they spend a long time like describing his dress, which I'm not going to do, but basically he's he's wrapped up in green gold, stripy silk. Um, he's got like ermine fur hood and all this different stuff. His clothes are embroidered with like butterflies and birds and leaves. Green on green. Green on green on green on green. Basically just like nature. This man is like the walking embodiment of nature. His horse is green. What? His horse is green. The whole horse is green. Oh my gosh. Now Theo's mm -hmm. interested. <laughs> yeah. Like a green man, I can buy. The hair of his head was as green as his horse. Wait, wait, wait. The hair on his head was as green as his horse? Yeah. Out of context, yeah. that's not very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how horses are green? Imagine his head like that. You know how green a horse is? Well, <laughs> this other thing was that green. <laughs> It says, no waking man had witnessed such a warrior or weird war horse. <laughs> oh, I should have been the weird war horse. That would have been funny. Yeah. yeah. Would you date this guy, Jackie? Mm. Uh, would I date him? Yeah. Think about it like this. He's very hot. Yeah. Would I date him? Yeah. 
For how long? Uh, I don't know. Would you go? Okay. If an extremely hot guy who's totally green. Is, is he just using me for my car? Because he can't fit in my car. <laughs> He's playing some sort of, I'm assuming it's some kind of riddle or game that involves dating him. I don't know. Like if you date him this year, he'll come back in a year and a day and date you. We're going to have to get to that later. So what I'm asking is, would you date a very hot guy who was green and always wore green? Would that be a problem for you? No, I don't think so. Because, well, I think that would bespeak some type of deep instability. No, he can't help it. That's the color he is. He's just leaning <laughs> yeah. into it with his clothes. He can help that he always also wears green. Yeah, he's just saying like, look, I know I'm green and I'm proud. Rachel. It ain't easy being green, Jackie. Yeah, that's true. So here's my other favorite thing about this guy. Not everyone's so as he green describes as a horse. Him. You don't want to talk about this, do you, Jackie? <laughs> you want to date him and I'm trying to it. do the book. <laughs> what if he very famously sells frozen vegetables and canned vegetables? I'm not going to date the jolly green giant. Okay. You can't catch me okay, with that. Okay, but what if he turned green from saving a child or something? Now you feel bad, right? <laughs> because the child was going to <laughs> fall into a vat of green paint and he jumped in. And green dye, permanent green dye. <laughs> Highlighter fluid. Or yeah. what if he's the Hulk? Yeah. Oh. Everyone wants to date the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. He's always angry. <laughs> now you see how <laughs> foolish you were. See, here's the thing. The Hulk wears purple pants and he looks stupid. Imagine how great he would look if he wore green pants. Or had a green horse. Point to Rachel. Can I get on with the story now? Okay, Are we done taking, picking apart my... Prejudice. All right. Um, <laughs> prejudice. <laughs> Because I don't want to date a green man. If he's man. hot, just date him. I don't want to date every hot person. He's hot, clearly has a good job. Yeah, he has a great job. He clearly has a good job. Yeah, you're right. Look, paid holidays, he's just traipsing around <laughs> around New Year. Well, and get this, too. Yeah. He strikes a mean bargain, so they describe him. And he didn't wear a helmet. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a shield. He didn't have any type of plate. But... In one hand, he holds a sprig of holly. This is where I start thinking about the ghost of Christmas present. Ah. Mm. So it says he doesn't have a weapon, but in one hand, he holds some holly. And in the other hand, he holds, quote, the mother of all axes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a weapon. Is that not a weapon? (laughs) No. (laughs) A cruel piece of kit, I kid you not. And then it's so it's the hugest axe of all time. It says it could shear a man's scalp. And it looks beautiful. It looks so hot. (laughs) Such a hot axe. So he comes in and he's like, hey. Who's in charge here? I'm only going to talk to the guy who's in charge. And every single person just looks at him and doesn't say a thing. So the king responds and says, aha, well, welcome. Uh, I'm Arthur. This is my my, hum- my home, my humble abode. So why don't you slide on out of that saddle and drop that uh, that big old huge axe and just kind of hang out with us? Can I just say real quick? Yes. I'll probably edit this out. But Go ahead. that giant green man has a nice Axe. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about his penis oh or something. <laughs> That's clearly not where he was trying to make us think. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you just went a totally different direction. Yeah, because yeah. you were going to edit it out. Oh. Like, it's got to be penis related. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, do the carpets match the drapes or something. <laughs> everything no. matches everything. It's completely green. Yeah, I'm like, obviously they do. You can't cut that out, Theo. You no. can't cut that out. That's the only thing. <laughs> the carpets match the drapes, and he's like, actually, no, it's weird, but my pubes are like Very red. bright orange. <laughs> they yeah. look nothing like my horse, if you can believe it. Yeah. My pubes are as green as some horse that's not green. Wait, are your pubes as green as that horse? No, my pubes are as green as that horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really funny way to measure the greenness of things. <laughs> oh, no. 
you could say like, oh man, this plant I was supposed to be watering, I forgot about it. And now it's as green as the green night's cubes, <laughs> which, by which I mean. Brown. <laughs> and everyone will know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, if not, that's because they haven't listened to our podcast and that's their own fault. That's how we'll know they're not cool. <laughs> if they don't know the color that we have decided the green night's cubes are. Aren't. Yeah. Aren't. <laughs> Okay. Well, (laughs) so King Arthur is like, hey, welcome. Why don't you come hang out with us? And the Green Knight says, well, nope, that's not in my way. And he says, I'm intrigued and attracted to your door at this time. (laughs) And he says, don't worry about the axe. I've got this holly stem in my hand. So, you know, I mean, no menace. What? How do I know that? (laughs) He goes, if I wanted to kill you, I would be here with an actual weapon, not this giant axe. Yeah. (laughs) He says, I'm clothed for peace, not kitted out for conflict. It's like, you have the mother of all axes. Also, isn't it, didn't he say something like, I heard you're merrymaking, which is what Grendel did, too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. he says, like, I just heard you guys in here, but I don't want to party with you. In fact, I'd like to murder one of you. (laughs) So, yeah, if I wanted to kill all of you, I would have worn, like, Appropriate attire. I would have worn like a shield. Presumably green. <laughs> uh, there's nothing worse than showing up to a party underdressed. Mm-hmm. You know, That's true. you want to overdress if anything. But he's like, no, I've dressed appropriately for what I'm here to do. <laughs> so he says, um, well, all right. If you are not here to fight, then we're not going to fight you back. <laughs> well, and the other thing he says is, if I had ridden to your castle to fight, these lightweight adolescents wouldn't last a minute. Rude. Rude. He's got a point, though. Yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> so he says, you know what? It's Christmas. And you know what we do at Christmas time? We challenge each other to blood duels. Yes. <laughs> Wait, who, who says that? It's She's paraphrasing. The Green Knight. But the Green Knight. She's just paraphrasing. Jackie didn't say that. <laughs> she's paraphrasing. <laughs> it's not a Burton family tradition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to have a lot more siblings, but, you know, we've been through a few Christmases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winnowed yeah. it down to the most powerful three. Yeah. So, like, this big green man with holly in his hand comes up, and instead of saying, it's Christmas, time I've brought gifts or I bring good tidings or I bring peace on earth he says it's Christmas time and what we do at Christmas is we fight each other so at Christmas in this court here's my challenge if anyone here is brave enough to take my axe and strike me across the neck strike me one blow one blow and be struck in return, I shall give him this gigantic cleaver and he can have the axe so he says I'm going to kneel down I'm going to give you my neck and whoever takes that first knock gets the axe. It's not much of a game. You know he's tricking you, It's you not idiots. much of a game. <laughs> Who would... What? He says, whoever strikes me and is struck in return, you get the axe. Why would I want the axe if I'm just going to also be axe? Well, if you can kill him, he can't strike you in return, presumably, is their thinking, aha. It's just like, here's the game. You get to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll pay you. He says, here's the game. You get one chance, like one strike. Yeah. And if you don't kill me within that one strike then I'm gonna yeah. get that's you that's totally psychotic I know <laughs> I mean it's psychotic that anyone would agree to play the game I know I know <laughs> knowing that you're basically just gonna be killing a guy you're either killing a guy or he's <laughs> tricking you somehow and, and you're about to yeah, get right. killed so he says who is gonna who has the gall the gumption the guts yeah who's brave enough who's enough of a man to kill me <laughs> Merry Christmas <laughs> so he says I'll give you one free hit and so everyone is like uh, 
No one says anything, and he's like, oh, okay, so I came to the house of Arthur, and not one single person is going to take me up on this. He calls them cowards. He calls them cowards. (laughs) (laughs) There's no one here brave enough to decapitate me. It says, his men were hurt. The words had pricked their pride. (laughs) They really are a bunch of frat boys. Who would get offended by this? Sir Gawain is so loyal to King Arthur, his his uncle, that he says, I can't let this guy make fun of my uncle's house. No, because Arthur volunteered. He was like, look, I'll do it. And then Gawain's like, no, 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 uncle, please allow me. Take me, please. <laughs> take my nephew. No, really, take him. The same kind of thing as Beowulf. He says, look, I'm weak. I'm nothing. If I were not your nephew, my life would be totally worthless. So <laughs> he says, I'm the weakest and the feeblest of wit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a himbo. I'm a weak little himbo. He says, such a foolish affair is unfitting for a king. It's so stupid that you can't possibly allow yourself to take on this task because it's idiotic. So right. I'm going to do it for you because my wit is so weak. Yeah. So he takes the axe. King Arthur says, make sure you do a good job of hitting him. Yeah. Or you're going to get hit in return. And he goes, okay. Okay. So the Green Knight speaks and says, if you don't manage to kill me, then in 12 months time, you're going to have to come back and see me. And I'm going to strike you with any weapon that you choose. A year and a day. A year and a day. So like you get to hit me now, but in a year and a day, you're going to get yours. So the guy's like, you have to swear to find me. And Gawain says like, okay, well, what's your name? Where do you live? And the guy's like, you'll be able to find me. Any idiot could find me. Yeah, (laughs) Like just ask for the green chapel and you'll find me. Uh, Which I mean, good on Gawain for being smart enough to at least be like, look, I'm not going to waste my time trying to find you. Like, just tell me your address, dude. I mean, he sets it up for him kind of weird because he's like, I'm not going to tell you where I live, but yet you have to come get me. And he doesn't say he doesn't say what will happen if I don't come find you because. No, we know what will happen. His honor will be besmirched. But he's going to kill him either way. Doesn't matter. His honor, Jackie. His honor. The honor. So the Green Knight kneels down and he piles up his hair on top of his head and he uh, bares his neck to Gawain. And Gawain raises up the axe and cuts the Green Knight's head clean off. And everyone's like, woohoo. And everybody kicks it as it clatters past (laughs) Because it's rolling towards everyone and they're like, ooh. Oh, they kick it away from Yeah, they're not like playing soccer. They're not playing a soccer game with it. I mean, I wouldn't put it past these freaks, you know what I mean? (laughs) They're the freaks? Yeah. Everyone's a freak now to you. They're kicking around the Green Knight's beautiful head and the body gets up and trudges over to the head and feels around till he finds it, dripping blood. Green blood? Eh, It doesn't say. Eh, Just blood. I think he would have said if it was green. He says when everything else is green. Yeah. It's as green as a totally different horse. That blood's as green as a so, horse. So he takes his own head in his hand by the hair and he swings it to face everybody and he and it opens its eyelids and it says, Sir Gawain, you're going to have to come to the green chapel to get what you've sown. And then he puts his severed head back on his head and goes, ha 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 and gallops back out. Yeah. Hmm. And he's holding the head when he gets on the horse. And his body's bleeding and the head's bleeding. Yeah. So what exactly did he say at the beginning of the game? He said, You get to strike me one blow without me retaliating. In a year and a day, I get to strike you one blow back. Okay, okay. Yeah. And in the meantime, you get the axe? Yeah. It's not a great deal. No, it's not a good deal. (laughs) They're all rich. Why they could just commission an axe? Yeah. It seems like they didn't do it for the prize. They did it because he was negging them. (laughs) So he leaves and he's got his dripping bloody head and he just goes out after he's just interrupted like the Christmas meal, the New Year's meal. And everybody just goes back to like laughing and jesting. The king comforts it's Guinevere for seemingly no reason. She doesn't seem upset. I miss the green knight. Yeah. yeah I miss him. He was so hot. He was so hot and green. 
Well, here's something funny. So he's trying to make her feel better. And he says, look, look on the bright side. At least I'm allowed to eat now. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, something crazy happened. Now I can eat my dinner. Yeah, now I can have dinner with you. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and he tells Gawain, hang up that axe. One hack is Yeah, enough. and let's get back to partying. And then they do. Wow. <laughs> and then they do. And that's the end of Fit One. What do you think about that? What the fuck? <laughs> what is happening? Oh, I, I read something really funny, which so the Green Knight is apparently like a semi-recurring character in the Arthurian mythos. And I saw a quote that said that the knights of the round table regarded him as, quote, friendly but terrifying and somewhat <laughs> mysterious. Yeah, we all know somebody <laughs> like that, right? Imagine if that was a description of you. <laughs> Theo, he's friendly. But he's terrifying and somewhat mysterious. <laughs> Wait, if we all three had to be one of those, which would it be? Okay, so you're saying you want to give out one of these traits to each of us. I think I want to be terrifying. You want to be, but who is? But are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, fine. I guess I'll be a little mysterious. <laughs> somewhat mysterious. Theo? <laughs> Rachel's obviously friendly. I'm right? the friendliest. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm the most terrifying. <laughs> honestly, yeah, probably. I, I don't. I think I'm more terrifying than you. Really? <laughs> He does wield ultimate power over our edits. Yeah. He can make us say anything. People often do tell me that they're afraid of me. Often? Really? Yeah, like right before I shoot them. Oh. Okay. Jackie. All right. I guess that's Jackie. Are you Theo? shooting people again? Theo, what do you think about being somewhat mysterious? Um, I could do that. Okay. I mean, I, I do think I am more terrifying than somewhat mysterious, but I can I can change my ways. Well, it's only somewhat mysterious. Yeah. You think you're unquestionably terrifying, but not somewhat mysterious. Yeah. Like you're an open book, but you're terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I tell everyone how terrifying I am. It's not a mystery. A year goes by very quickly, and he kind of, the poet describes the seasons, and it's all very nice. So... The year goes by, and eventually all the knights are upset because everyone knows Gawain has to go on his quest. Arthur reminds him. He's like, hey, you better get ready. It's almost time for you to get your head chopped off, nephew. <laughs> you fucked up pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I know you kind of forgot about the whole getting your head chopped off thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... TikTok. <laughs> There's a packing montage, which is very cute, Whoa. where he's like, they're like literally two pages where the narrator's saying, so he packs this, he packs this, and then this is his traveling outfit. He puts this on. On and this on, he's looking great. But then he leaves and they're like, and he can't find any food and he has to yeah. forge. Why didn't he pack some food? It's pretty funny. <laughs> Stop with the outfits already. Yeah, but the thing I thought was interesting is Gawain's outfit is all gold, red, and white. Uh -huh. He has his best buddy, his horse, Gringolet. And there's also literally two pages spent talking about how Gawain wears the pentangle. What's that? The forever knot. It is a five-pointed star shape. It's basically a pentacle. I don't know why they're calling it a pentangle, but it's, you know, it's it's all connected and they say... Well, it's like a triangle, but a pentangle. But here's the funny thing, is they say the reason Gawain is able to wear it, this symbol, is because he's so cool mm. and also because he has five groups of five yeah they talk about the five a lot do you want to hear what the five fives are theo it's yeah. it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> okay i'm finding it okay so they say it's a token of fidelity and it suits him because he's fully faithful in five ways five times over <laughs> and the five ways are he is flawless in his five senses his five fingers were never at fault 
Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Why? <laughs> Surely he has 10 fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, five different ones. <laughs> so only five of them are faultless. Is the next one his five other fingers no, are faultless? that's what I was wondering. <laughs> No, his five (laughs) fingers are never at fault. Wow. His faith was founded in the five wounds Christ received on the cross. Mm. This is where I felt like the alliteration started to get silly. If he is struggling in a fight, the thought that pulls him through is the fortitude he found in the five joys which Mary had conceived in her son, our Savior. And the fifth set of five included friendship and fraternity with fellow men, purity and politeness that impressed at all times, and pity that surpassed all pointedness. Gosh. Five things which meant more to Gawain than to most other men. So when he's fighting and he's starting to get tired and he's like, oh my God, I might actually lose this battle. He thinks, aha, let me think about the fact that I have friends. He's like, Mary was happy five times. Yes. Yeah, let me think about the five times she was happy. (laughs) Friends, family, football, fishing. Beep. America. <laughs> <laughs> that is so odd. But basically at that point, he's not allowed to have any more character traits because it would ruin his whole pentangle thing that he's got going Those on. Those are the five sets of five. And one of the sets of five is five fingers. Yeah. So it's it's 25 <laughs> things that he has that are good attributes, but five of them are his fingers. <laughs> and then the other five fingers, I guess, just don't count. They're just totally mangled. (laughs) Yeah. And some of the sets are things other people did, like Jesus having five wounds, Mary being happy five times. The only ones that I get are like he has five character traits and his five senses are flawless. I'll give that to him. (laughs) Oh, he's divergent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think someone was like, hey, Colin? I just got this skateboard. You want to try it out? And he's like, no, no, no. I can't add another I only thing. do five yeah. things. <laughs> I, I'm kind yeah. of maxed out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's if it fits under politeness, which impresses at all times, like if he has to do it to be polite, it's allowed. <laughs> well, then I guess I do have to skateboard. <laughs> I can see like that being a thought that crosses your mind. Oh, maybe there should be five things, each with five parts to them or, or something. But he clearly ran out by like thing seven. Yeah. <laughs> and, like he didn't. <laughs> by thing five. That was also, the last I mean, thing. Five senses. I was giving him a little credit. You should realize that this is not even remotely like, I don't know, a good idea before you actually put the pen to the paper, right? Like this, that was so He stupid. should have just had five things. Why not just give him five things? That's so much easier to think of. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they've all got to be, I don't know. What if, so, oh my gosh, what if he had to have five sets of five sets of five? Whoa. Sets of five. No, no. Stack, five. Jackie, stop. <laughs> Exponential growth. (laughs) Five fingers, each with five joints. Each joint more perfect than the last. Stop it, Thea. Sorry, go ahead. If they're that obsessed with five being important and meaningful, why didn't they make this like a five... A five fit poem. Why is it four fits? That's true. There were a lot of numbers that had meaning. Like the year and a day is something that comes up a lot in folk tales. Five sets of five, the sets of threes that we're going to come up with soon. Every verse ends in five lines, right? Ooh. Yeah. Now I'm drawing mm-hmm. these amazing connections. Uh oh. <laughs> you showed us. He's using all 100% of his brain. <laughs> He's limitless. <laughs> oh my God, stop him. <laughs> Before I just use 5%. So 
here's something that was also very Beowulfy is that the narrator breezes through his adventure and he's like, man, it would take a whole other book to tell you all the shit this guy got up to. It was awesome. <laughs> but let's move past it. <laughs> and then he like lists a whole bunch of animals that he fought. Yep. So most of it was just like it was really tough because he didn't have any food and he was foraging and he couldn't find very much. It's freezing cold. There was sleet. All he had was his horse. Also, there just happened to have been like some wild boars and a giant and I wrote down everything he fights. He fights serpents, wolves, wadwos. What is a wadwo? Bulls, bears, and boars. Bulls, bears, and boars. Wait, Theo and Jackie, both of you guess what wadwos are. Uh, I think a wadwo is maybe like a water demon. Theo? Oh, gosh. I like Jackie's answer so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a water demon, actually. <laughs> it's just a guy who lives in the woods. It's like a wild, hairy guy. What? A wadwo. Oh. <laughs> But he is a monster. <laughs> no, I looked it up. It just It's just a wild man, a wadwo. <laughs> Why is he fighting these wadwos? <laughs> he should just be friends with them. They probably have food and shelter. <laughs> I have so many questions about the wadwos. I think they need their also, own spinoff. Like, this could be like Grendel's mom. Why would you fight a wadwo? Like, I understand if they're, like, coming into town and messing with you, but he's in the wilderness. That's Look, where wadwos belong. Let them be. Gotta fight something. Yeah, well, that's also where all the serpents and everybody belong. I just thought it was funny that they put in, oh, and by the way, he fought all of these animals, like as though that's just a standard thing you yeah, do. Yeah, so why is he starving? <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> I mean, I guess he could have just had some nice wadwo dinner. No, Jackie! That's cannibalism. No. <laughs> he fights a giant, and that's not even described. They're like, that's boring. Let's just skip over that. Yeah. He climbs some mountains. He does this. He does that. He's really cold. He's hungry. Whatever. Okay. Skipping ahead, they say. This is just like Beowulf, like, swimming through the sea and having to fight, like, seven sea dragons or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They're like, he did this. He did that. Mm -hmm. Whatever. He's really good. <laughs> okay. So, on Christmas Eve, he starts praying to Jesus, and he's like, please, I just want to pray. Can you just show me a church so I can go pray there? Oh, God. I want to pray. I want to go to mass. It's Christmas. Come on, God. And then he sees a beautiful castle. Come on, God. <laughs> right away. <laughs> That's how praying normally works there, right? You pray and then you get whatever you want. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. yeah. So he knocks on the door and he's welcomed in. Everyone's so nice. Is welcomed in. He meets the lord of the castle, and this guy is like wearing red clothes. He has like a red beard, and his skin is kind of reddish. So he's just a red dude. And this guy is like his best fucking bro. It says, just like they were old friends, they hug and they hold on a while. Wow. And so everyone in the castle loves how hot Gawain is. Oh. Everyone <laughs> talks about how hot he is and how much they like it. So he says, like, I'm sure you've heard of me. I'm Sir Gawain. And everyone immediately says, like, we have. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're the guy who keeps killing all the poor people in the woods <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically i mean they, they might as well have said that <laughs> so he goes into this gorgeous room and he's dressed up really hotly and everyone's even more impressed and they give him mm. food like tons of food they describe it like multiple kinds of fish i love scenes like this though so this happens in like everything so what i love is that there's always like some kind of journey and then they stop by a house and that nobody in that house has ever met the person and coming in but they're like hold on this happens in the odyssey it happens in lord of the rings it happens in beowulf sir gawain in the green knight 
I'm sure it happens in a lot of different things. Confederacy of dunces. No. I'm saying they've been on a journey and then they get into the house and they're like, and then they were given some wonderful clothes and then they were given lots of food and then they were given the best bed ever to sleep in. I just feel like that's always so comforting to read and I just wish it would stop there. I wish that would be it. Wizard of Oz too. Yeah. Yeah. Dorothy goes into a house and yeah, there's a man with a broken leg and they give her everything she wants and I think it should just stop there. They go to the Emerald City. She gets gorgeous green clothes. Should we test to see if that still works? Like we should go on journeys and then go somewhere? Or just like walk into people's houses. And And like just go up to someone's house. I've been trying to get you guys to come to my house for years. (laughs) Yeah, try it, Theo. I know one place that would work. (laughs) Jackie's house. Would you give him a gorgeous green outfit? Of course. I've got one all ready to go. (laughs) Some little Kermit cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) How humiliating. You know how a lot of times people in Asia, like specifically Japanese, people will have extra house slippers for guests to put on it would be funny if jackie had a closet full of kermit outfits (laughs) she's like put this on (laughs) we don't allow street clothes in my house (laughs) kermit outfits only just leave your clothes by the door just like in various sizes do you need a baby size or a giant size i also have half giant (laughs) (sighs) that would be nice though i would actually like that I think actually I like it a lot. I have so much anxiety about how uncool my clothes are. I would love it if we just clothed whoever came into our homes all the time. In Kermit suits? Yeah, Kermit is fine. I could also see like maybe everyone is Miss Piggy. Yeah, Miss Piggy. I guess they all have to be Muppets again. (laughs) Wait, does everyone have to be the same or could it be like I dress everyone up like they're from, I don't know, like an Agatha Christie novel and then you get a and then you get a Kermit suit? Like would that that wouldn't be fun. You want them to be equivalent, right? Yeah. My opinion is the reason my clothes are embarrassing now is because I chose them. If somebody else dresses me badly, then that's totally fine by me. If I put you in a Kermit suit, you would not be if embarrassed. If you went to like a black tie event and the host was like, Theo, put this on. <laughs> and you could have said like, well, if someone told me to do it. He would just say, it ain't easy being green. <laughs> Here's an axe. Take a swing at me. Don't worry. This won't be embarrassing because everyone will know that someone made me do this. <laughs> yeah, that's what's the case. You wouldn't be embarrassed that the host felt that you needed to dress like Kermit. If people knew that someone told me to do it, it would be totally fine. It's just that when it, <laughs> if it seemed like it was my idea to dress like Kermit, that would be bad. In this world, are you not allowed to say no? Because it's still weird to be told to do it and then to do it. He would it. rather do it. it yeah, it would be so much <laughs> He's easier. He's saying he would rather do it because then he knows that his outfit isn't his fault. Yeah. And that's not sad. <laughs> <laughs> Quit looking at him with such pity, yeah. Gawain. Pity that surpasses all pointedness. Yeah. <laughs> that pity better not surpass all pointedness. So you guys don't relate to that at all. I I feel like I dress appropriately. Shit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I like choosing outfits. So I do feel stress ahead of time. So normally, like if there's an event, I will contact the host to say, hey, how many Kermit suits do you have? Available? Whenever people have <laughs> weddings, they don't know what levels of dress mean. And I actually do. So if people say like semi-formal, sometimes people will say formal. Okay. This is an example. I went to a wedding that said formal and I called the person and I said, hey, can you describe to me like what to wear? And they said, oh, yeah, you know, if you just wear like khakis and a button up. Stephen was wondering, like, do I need to get my suit dry clean? Do I need to get a nicer suit? Mm. Because like even a like a Navy suit isn't really necessarily formal. So I, I was like, oh, okay, never mind. It's so obvious to me now. Hosts should always be dressing their guests in every situation. You would never have to deal with this. I feel like that's what the whole point. That's what the dress code is for. Like no, everybody knows no, what it means. You no, do you want me to no, get no, you no. an outfit? 
outfit for when you come to North Carolina this summer? I'll get you an outfit. Outfit, costume, whatever you want. <laughs> as long as I'm deciding it, you'll you're happy to wear it. <laughs> yeah, I'm only gonna wear it at your house though. Okay, I'll pick out clothes for you. <laughs> I'll buy you some clothes <laughs> because his anxiety about his clothes will peak at your house and not. Well, I'm the only else. person who he thinks he could convince to choose an outfit for him. I think like that's the problem. I will choose an outfit. What? No, Any, I'm saying in his regular that. life, he would probably be too embarrassed to ask other people. Hey, can you please have an outfit ready for me when I arrive? <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Because that's also kind of a power move. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to make power moves. That's why he wants someone else to pick his clothes. It's too embarrassing to make a power move. <laughs> yeah. What if now, from now on, every time I get a commission for a new piece of music, I like make sure there's a clause in the contract that it's says you will supply writers. me. <laughs> yeah, you will supply me with an outfit to wear for the concert and rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. and you will also spread the word on social media that you made me wear this outfit. Yeah, that it was your <laughs> fault, not mine. Yeah. You will both supply me with an outfit and announce before the show, hey, just so you all know, we told Theo to wear that. And <laughs> yeah, you'd be right. like, thank God I'm not embarrassed anymore. God, that'd be so <laughs> Theo told perfect. us to say that we told him to wear this. Yeah. All right, we got a whole other fit to get there. I don't think I've ever had a more perfect idea. So if you could create a utopia at this point, yes. the number one thing yes. in your mind would be Everywhere I go, people have outfits waiting for me. Yes. <laughs> but what about if people visited you? You'd have to have outfits for them, right? Or no? Oh, crap. Because wouldn't that be stressful for you or not? Well, if it's a, if it's a utopia, then no. I am <laughs> the only one immune to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but So, um, you know, that means everyone would want to go to your house because that's the only place they could all go and wear whatever they want. That sounds like a utopia, right? He wants people to visit him. Do I, though? Do you, I think I think I could handle that. Like, if I, I, yeah, I guess if I knew I had had this interesting exotic thing at my home where people were allowed to wear whatever they wanted, I would feel like I had something good enough to offer them that I would want to host parties. Okay. <laughs> That's so sad. You have plenty of good things to offer. But he doesn't have anything exotic. Not as a host of a party. Sure. I can give people like a really big smile and like stuff like that. But like the eternal footman, you can snicker. <laughs> Call back. Think about what our closets would look like if we were actually forced to clothe all our guests. Like, you would basically have very little clothing. I guess I would have a lot of clothes in my size because my sisters are all basically my size. Well, I feel like we would just all have the same little uniform. You think it w they'd all be Kermit suits? One outfit in every size. No, I think they'd probably be like potato sacks. Oh. Yeah, so you'd have like multiple big t-shirts. Yeah, okay, honestly. And multiple small t-shirts and multiple medium Make this way easier. Just give everybody a smock that they can put over their clothes. <laughs> that they have to put over their clothes. Yeah, and everybody knows. Make this way easier. No clothes. No clothes. Yeah, free. Theo would be embarrassed by the no clothes. We've never even seen his toes, Jackie. <laughs> but if we said this is in the contract, he has to do that. Oh, well, no, still. That's, <laughs> he doesn't no, want to force himself to be naked or whatever. Wait, so the yeah. contract would be you have to force me to be naked and tell everyone that you did? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Look, if you don't have the money to supply clothes, then don't supply clothes, but you have to tell everyone why. <laughs> Can you imagine the lawsuit that would come out of that? Let's say I take them to court for for making me be naked on, at my concert and then they're like well he was the one who added this to the contract we had to make him be naked yes but you signed the contract 
okay, Rachel, what would happen if like we made a contract and in it it says like you have to murder me? No. Whoa. You, you're not. A, that's not a thing you can. And then you murder me. <laughs> no, sorry. It's a perfect thought experiment. That's not a thing you can make a contract. <laughs> no, it's about. lawless. <laughs> sorry. Well, it's an analogy. Could we? You know what? This is. We have so much more Gawain to get through. Oh, we do. No, I mean like that's something oh, you shit. talk about in law school, and no, you can't do that. We have a lot more. Gawain? Immunize you. Yeah, from we've like barely started. <laughs> let's let's do Gawain then. Let's let's stop coming up with Theo's utopia of being naked all over the place. Anyway, everyone in the house, he's feasting and he's like, damn, this is a great feast. And they say, no, this sucks. Like, this is hardly any food. Oh, God. Wait till we have an actual feast. How embarrassing. You think Gawain, would you be embarrassed <laughs> if that happened to you? If you said, I love this food. And they were like, this is what we feed the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> feed the garbage. <laughs> if you said, thanks for this delicious feast. And they're like, this is trash food. <laughs> <laughs> we're feeding you the worst food. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> So you'd be very embarrassed by that, Theo? Well, I mean, I also have food anxiety, but so what are you, why are you looking at me and so incredulous about What do you mean you have food anxiety? About like how I don't, I can't taste very well. But that, why is that a problem? Like you just, your sense of taste is not great. Yeah. So then it's like, I'll eat something and be like, this is good. Or I'll be thinking this is good, but maybe I should wait to hear if the consensus of the table is that this is good. Yeah. And then they're like, this sucks. But you're allowed to have a different opinion on food, you know, like it's okay if one person likes it and other people don't. If someone says this is bad, you just say, oh, I think it's okay. Or like, oh, I like it. Rachel, you can't ever disagree. No. Yeah. You, you should really say something more like, you spoiled brat. This is great food. Eat it. <laughs> One of the memories that I think about sometimes that I'm the most confused by is when I was a little kid, my grandmother was like chiding me for not finishing all the food on my plate or something. And she used, you know, they always do that like little speech about how the children in China would love to have your food or something. Yeah. They probably wouldn't. They've got way better food in China. Okay. Yeah. She was like, well, there's, there's starving kids in China. And I, and my logical child brain thought, well, then why don't I give them this food? Like yeah. I have food that I don't want. They don't have food that they do want. Why wouldn't I give them this food? Supply and demand. That's capitalism, baby. Yeah, supply mm. and demand. <laughs> she got so mad and I never forget. She went, because they don't want your food. And I was like, well, then you're telling me that even these starving kids don't want this egg and boiled ham lasagna. Then why would I want it? They would rather die than eat this lasagna. I also don't want my food. <laughs> Good times. Wow. We, we missed several things that I made notes about because I'm not I wasn't looking at the Just bring book. it up. Say Damn it. girl, bring him up. So this is when he's riding his horse to try to find the Green Knight. And Sir Gawain is leaving the castle. And everybody looks at him all sad because they're like, oh, man, it's such a pity. He's going to go and get killed. Mm -hmm. And they say, cleverer to have acted with caution and care, deemed him a duke, a title he was due. Better that than being battered into oblivion, beheaded by an ogre. Yeah, that is better. <laughs> yeah, most things would be better than that. Like, <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> There's another part where he's riding through all the parts of England and it says he meets wayward people both God and good men have quite given up on. Aww. And he says, has anyone seen a green a green knight or a green chapel? And they say, no, never in their lives. Yeah. Still a at this point in the story we've gotten to, he has not yet found the Green Knight. Yeah. And he was told it's going to be so easy. Everybody knows where I am. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's asking everyone all over and they're like, we've never heard of such a thing. Don't you think <laughs> you would also just stop looking at this point? Like, you know what? Maybe like, I oh, shouldn't. Oh, he lied. He broke his vow. So I'm set free. Maybe I shouldn't be trying this hard to get beheaded. <laughs> like maybe I gave it the old college try and I can stop right. now because I really did my <laughs> Yeah, that's, right. they have a totally alien morality system from us. <laughs> the Green Knight just seems pretty arrogant, right? Like, 
Oh, people know me. People know me. Like you ask yeah. anyone, they'll tell you all about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> That's embarrassing, right? Yeah, right. You can just ask anybody on the street where I live. They've all been they there. They all know about the Green Knight. The other thing that I think is funny is that England is so small. Like, why was he riding around for so long? Where were these cliffs and crags and these serpents and these wadwos? Like, if it all took place between, like, point A and point B in northern mm. England, what was he doing? Where was he lost? It's like, like roughly the distance between like Raleigh and Durham. Yeah, I don't know. Raleigh and Durham. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to chapel after the feast with everyone, and he meets this woman who's like got smooth, fair skin. She's looking amazing, and it says the narrator says that she was even more beautiful than Guinevere, and then like in parentheses to Gawain anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Like, she was so hot to Gawain. <laughs> so, yeah. So then this gorgeous young woman is, yeah, she's holding hands with this wrinkly old crone. And it says, like, most people would have not wanted to look at her. The crone or the young woman by association? The crone. It describes how wrinkly she is. It describes how her naked lips are all chapped and nasty. And then he decides that he needs to follow that up with, like, a lot of people thought she was ugly. <laughs> We got it. Most men would have averted their eyes from her, is what the narrator says. Look, I'm not saying, I'm just saying people are talking. Yeah, this is what people are doing with their eyes. I never would say such a rude thing myself, but I am saying a lot of people would think that. <laughs> so most guys wouldn't be interested in even looking at that old lady. But Gawain, he walks up to both of the women. It says he does a long, long bow to the old lady. And he says, are you two sisters? <laughs> He's such a good guy that he greets her without touching her and doesn't say anything mean. Yeah, so he bows to the old lady and then he hugs the hot one and respectfully kisses her. <laughs> On the lip? Doesn't say. On the butt. He meets them politely and they chat and they sit together in the chapel and they're just having a great conversation. Like, they're just really enjoying all their chatting together. So afterwards, they're like partying, of course, because everyone's constantly partying. Mm -hmm. The lord of the manor is like, okay, we're going to have such a fun time. Tomorrow we are going to hunt. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and everyone's cheering. I love imagining the lord just going, like, getting up and tapping the mic and going, all right, <laughs> everybody having a good time? Yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> Tomorrow we're going to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Honda Civic parked in the fire lane. A non-green horse. All right, and it's almost time for our raffle. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody knows you like a good game around Christmas time. Let's do the <laughs> raffle. See who gets beheaded. <laughs> so the next day they're having a great time. They're having banquets and buffets. They're sitting all together. Gawain's got one lady on one side. The hot one is sitting next to him. Like they're chatting. They're really enjoying their time together. They're feasting. They're feeling joy. Gosh, I love it joy. says that Gawain and the beautiful woman found such comfort and closeness in each other's company through warm exchanges of whispered words and refined conversation free from foulness <laughs> that their pleasure surpassed all princely sports by far. I thought about that and, and I was like, I don't think Gawain would have liked me. <laughs> Full of foulness. It well, yeah. wouldn't have been free of it. <laughs> so they drink and dance for several days and they're getting close to Christmas. 
And Gawain is trying to leave. He's like, I got to go. I got to get beheaded. Let me out of here. He explains the reason he has to leave. He's like, I'm sorry, but I haven't even found this guy. I only have a few days left. And the Lord says, wait a second. You talking about that green guy? I know where he lives. He's like two (laughs) miles over there. Literally, he's like, that's my weed guy. That's my weed guy. Yeah. So Sir Gawain (laughs) is saying like, thank you so much for letting me stay here. Is there anything I could do to repay you? Just name it. Any price, I will do it for you. And he says, well, won't you please stay here with us? And Gawain says, no. (laughs) No, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. The one thing I won't do is not get beheaded. That's been on my to-do list for almost a year and a day. I'll do anything for you as long as it's something I want to do. As long as I feel like it. (laughs) So the king's like, just hang out here for a few more days and we'll just send you right over there. Like it's it's literally so close. Like you can just hang out and have a good time until Mm. you die. Don't worry about it. And Gawain's like, oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. And he says, just lay there in your bed and don't wake up early. Sleep in. Have a nice little snooze. The funny thing is when he's explaining what he has to do, he says, as dawn on New Year's Day draws near, if God sees fit, I shall face that freak more happily than I would the most wondrous wealth. Freak? Yeah, like Green that's a little freak. harsh, don't you think? <laughs> no, he, he held up his own <laughs> severed head and laughed and rode away. He's a freak. Oh, come on. Try to be taller, Jackie. <laughs> Diversity is our strength. <laughs> yeah, diversity is our strength. <laughs> so Gawain's so happy. The king says, you know what? You've got a big thing ahead of you, a big event. Here's my suggestion. You just hang out here, relax, take it easy. Like, you know what? Here's a great idea. Sleep in. I'm going to go out hunting with the boys. My wife will be here. And then just hang out, hang out with my wife the whole time while I'm gone. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great for you. Hang out with my hot wife. <laughs> yeah, and the one that you've been flirting with for like literally hours while I looked on <laughs> benevolently. Yeah. Well, he just loves him. He wants to give him everything. Yeah, so the guy says, oh my gosh, I've got a really fun game to play. What I win in the woods will be yours. And what you gain while I'm gone, you will give to me. Okay. Gawain says, that sounds great. He says, I agree to the terms and I find it pleasing that you favor such fun. So this is a traditional element, both the beheading game and the exchange of rewards were like very common in these romances and folk tales and stuff. So what he's saying is while I'm gone, you're going to get my wife and then you have to give my wife back to me. No, no, whatever's whatever, you, whatever you get while you're here, you can give it to me. What else can he get though? Well, that's the weird thing. It's this could, dude's yeah. castle. Like, Yeah, he could just like steal some goblets or but, something. Uh, here. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going to go out and find Spider Town and that will be well, yours. he doesn't have to get anything. It's just if he gets something, he has to give it to this guy. If I happen to screw your wife and give her to you. Nope. He's got to give it to him. Oh, he's got to give it to him. Yes. Oh. So he has sex with the wife. That means he has sex with the other guy. No, nothing. Nobody's had sex with anyone yet. He's saying if you have sex with my wife, you have to also have sex yeah, with but me. I, I think I the guy's not telling like we don't know if he's thinking that. Okay. So he says, what I find, I give to you. What you find, you give to me. Deal. And Gawain's like, that sounds great. Ha ha ha. This will be so fun. <laughs> so he's like, great. Let's drink and seal the deal. He yells that to everyone and everyone laughs and parties in response. They're like, yeah, a <laughs> fun Christmas game. <laughs> and then they ended up getting tired and they kiss each other everyone's kissing each other good night and they go to bed and it says before they part the pair repeat their pact again that lord was well aware 
of how to host a game. He's well aware of how to host a game. Yeah. You tell the guy what the game is, and then you repeat it later at end of fit two. Yeah. Okay, so Theo, what do you think? I'm loving the weirdness of this thing. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen with the wife? You think anything's going to happen? I'm not suspicious in any way. It seems like... <laughs> totally above board. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's setting anything up or anything like that. What do you think uh, the Lord is going to find in the woods? Oh, maybe all of the corpses of Gawain's victims. The Wadwas. <laughs> yeah. Of the Wadwas. <laughs> that would be horrifying to have to be confronted with all of that murder you did. <laughs> So you think Gawain's going to be like, sorry, man, I don't have anything to give you. And that the Lord is going to be like, here are some decapitated Wadwas. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think this has been a really great introduction to the world of the Green Knight and his friends. Well, we haven't met any of the Green Knight's friends. <laughs> the Green Knight and the people who find him mysterious, terrifying, and very friendly. <laughs> well, Theo, do you think they'll be friends at the end? What do you think's going to happen? The Green Knight and Gawain? Yeah. That's how I make all my friends. I say, you get one blow, <laughs> and then I'll see you in a year, <laughs> and I'll give you one. I honestly have no idea. I mean, this this doesn't seem like it follows any sort of logic that I'm familiar with. So, Whereas I think a, a normal story would end with them. I don't even know. I feel like this story should have been one fit, and it should have just been like the cutting off the head thing happened, then he goes, and whatever else happened. But it seems like there's a lot of other stuff that is in between that sort of seems irrelevant currently. You're saying, like, why are we at this dude's house is what yeah. you're saying. why are we at this dude's house? <laughs> like, if he's going to skip over the part where he's killing all these serpents and wadwos, why isn't he skipping over the part where he's yeah. macking on a dude's wife? <laughs> yeah, sex sells, I guess. <laughs> Whew, wow. What a... Fun, sexy time we just had. <laughs> yeah. nope. Thank God nope. it was different, essential. Different outro. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> wow. What a terrifying, friendly, yet somewhat mysterious episode this has been. Yeah. Ooh, man. Theo, did you enjoy yourself? I had a feeling you might. Yeah. I like the green knight. Actually, I liked all the knights of every color. So This translation is way better than Tolkien's. Like old J.R.R., Big Papa J.R.R., he has steered me wrong with his translations, He's I have to stinker. say. I read this as a kid from him when I was so obsessed with Lord of the Rings that I just read everything he wrote. And I wasn't that interested in this story. And now I'm like, wow, what a great tale. He's just really too into linguistics and not enough into poetry. But yeah, I love that this entire premise is based on this game that makes no sense. Yes. <laughs> the game being, you hit me, wait a year, I hit you. That's And it. they got goaded into this stupid game. Like the axe doesn't serve any purpose. He didn't, I don't think he took it on his quest. Right. They made it sound like you're going to get this great axe. And they just say, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> Gawain, you don't need to touch that again. <laughs> And then he just like takes it out of his reach and hangs it up. Yeah. Wait, and you said they're making a movie about this? It's Yeah, it's coming out soon. I've been sending you guys all the tweets about it. It's really, everyone's into it. Everyone's excited. How can you make a movie on this plot, though? It's going to have uh, Dev Patel. That's all you need. You don't need a plot. Wait, I want to see what it's rated, actually. I looked up the rating of the Green Knight, and on Google, it says the Green Knight MPAA rating R, and the image next to it is the poster for Sausage Party. <laughs> this is your exemplar for R-rated movies. <laughs> yeah, if you want to know what it's like, Sausage Party. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's more or less the same. All right, let's finish this episode. Okay, if you had a good time mm -hmm. and you'd like to support us, Ooh. we would really love that. All of the money goes towards improving our audio quality, getting stickers and other merch, and doing a little bit of advertising. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So it goes in a good place. And if you'd like to, you should check us out. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash firethecanon, C-A-N-O-N. If you'd like to email us, we've got a Gmail account. It's firethecanonpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at firethecanonpod. Now you can speak. Oh, you left me the boring one. We have a Facebook page. It's Fire the Cannon Podcast, whatever. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, our website, firethecannonpod.com. And if you could, we would really, really, really appreciate a rating slash review on Apple Podcasts. We love that. Yeah, we love them. And they yeah. actually have a it huge makes our day. impact free. on us showing up in other people's feeds. Yes. So we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. We had a really good time <laughs> making this episode, which I think <laughs> We was had a great time. Apparent. I hope you enjoyed yeah. it half as much as we did. So the next yeah. episode, we'll be talking about a little more of the green knight yeah in the future if you're a little bit confused about these knights moral compasses we are going to be talking to a medievalist professor i think she'll be able to explain a lot of it to us so i'm very excited for that interview (laughs) it's basically just going to be a class where the students are like but what about their pubes it's going to be a class where we say we already read and explained the entire book so can you now tell us what we did wrong (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much to our new patron, patron of the week, what? Sir Fraz. We got another patron? Yeah, Sir Fraz. Nice. He's a buddy of mine. He's married to Suman, who you've all heard about many times. No, don't say that. Make it sound like he's a totally new person. I mean... He doesn't know anybody. He's cool. He's a funny... He's a very funny guy, actually. Well, Jackie says he doesn't know anyone. He doesn't know anybody. He's a really funny guy who doesn't can, know anyone. Can someone introduce him to some people? <laughs> he has basically no familiarity with any of the books we've ever covered. Or any humans on Earth. But he's very familiar with Dune, and he's so excited about that one. So so just hang in there, buddy, and we'll get there. You might call him a Dune bro. A Dune goon. He's a Dune goon. Thank you. Yes, everyone's so happy about it. I'm really happy you did that. Really? You're you're the happiest one, especially you. Yeah. Look at me, I'm beside <laughs> myself. Well, anyway, thanks so much. Love it. It's great to have you on board. If you guys would like a shout out, do what he did. And he got a sticker, you know. He did get a sticker. We've got some great stickers. All right. Bye, Bye now. now. See you tomorrow. <laughs> I am going to see her tomorrow.